I'm live? Oh, I thought you were going to do a countdown. <laughs> okay. Hello. Um, hi, I'm joined by Harry and Bo. Hey. <laughs> Hello there. And today we're going to be talking about Google's White Boy, Crossfire Round 2, Carlson v. Stewart, and the Death of Kings. Also, it's Thursday, the 22nd of February. Is it? I hadn't noticed. I know. Okay. Well, I have some announcements to make, which is tomorrow, which is... Um, Friday, yep, it's uh, 3 p.m. UK time. You can come and join us. We're having gold tier Zoom call time again. It's tea time, in which all the gold tiers sit down and have tea. And so do we, except there's no tea. Whatever, it's a gold tier Zoom call. We literally sit around with the gold tiers and we all, uh, you know, interact. That's the point. If you want to actually chat to us, then you can come and join. I don't actually know who will be in on that one. I assume Carl and someone else. I've never been on a gold tier Zoom call. Maybe you should. What are you doing tomorrow? I could. There we go. So you want to meet Bo? You want to ask Bo questions? <coughs> there you are. Tomorrow, become a gold tier Zoom. No, become a gold tier and join the Zoom. If you say something <laughs> suspicious enough, Bo might even raise his eyebrow at you. That's that's on request. I need that's, to patent that. That's that's super chat. <laughs> I need to monetize that. Yeah. So anyway, uh, other than that, if you're a gold tier, I mean, do send in video comments. You did pay for the bloody perk, so enjoy. Otherwise, oh, a lot of video comments today. I I take that back. Send in none. All right. Oh, well, <laughs> let's see. Over ten. You know what? No, no, no. Um, or if you're gold tier, send in, send in video comments. Do you because you know you paid for it, but make them really good, and that way the editor can exercise some uh, some creative, what would you call it, standards, and then uh, we can we can up the tier of the gold tier Zoom call, uh, sorry the gold tier videos until they're they're nothing but movies in thirty second clips. <laughs> anyway, all right, uh, another announcement to make, which is not just gold tier Zoom call. I've said that word so many times now; it means nothing. Uh, we have another thing now. You may notice if you're watching this, which house you listen whatever okay if you're watching this you sleep at all last night (laughs) what's going on Uh, not really um so if you scroll down from where the video is then you may notice that there's uh you know there's there's this thing and it says tell us what you think about colin narinda core which um is is are they a good match should they date how long do you reckon it lasts so tell us if you're premium bronze silver gold and then uh you know tell us how do you feel about their uh their relationship you know pretty positive (laughs) would you like to see them get married you know (laughs) Any other feedback, uh, you know, type in your disgusting thoughts. Oh. And then, <laughs> no, it's a, it's a discussion about the debate they had, obviously. Um, so do you want to see more of those debates? Because there's a, there's a divide in the office about, is, is, should we do more of that or not? So you guys are the, are the premium members. We care about you the most. So your opinion is the thing we actually want to hear. So answer. And if you say yes, then yes. If no, then no. If you don't care, then don't answer it. <laughs> oh, wait, no, no. Those are still... Those are still... Relevant, I suppose. Yeah, yeah. Put put in a number five for how much you cared about it. Did you just give it a ten? I might have. Yeah, I may have. Um, <laughs> may have biased the results a little bit there, but no, we we genuinely want your official, uh, official, no sincere opinions. Not <laughs> my official opinion on the debate. So so do do that. All right. Well, we have news, don't we? <laughs> now that I've. What? <laughs> this, this has been a disaster. There was everything. no countdown. I'm so used to a countdown. I was I was wobbling around, waiting for him to go five, four, three, two, one. Ah, oh, God. John's John's on holiday. He's off seeing I don't know Germany. Should we get on with the news. Yeah, there's news. All right, news. Regroup before the YouTube clip starts. <laughs> yeah. Start afresh from yeah. now. All right, go. Callum, find your zen. <laughs> take a nice deep breath. Look. People on YouTube don't get this kind of unprofessional content, so feel lucky. Oh, yeah. <laughs> They're missing out so much, aren't they? Uh, right. Google has a white boy, and they, they've killed him. 
there are no more white boys, at least according to Google. They've, they've wiped them out, finally. <laughs> the 100% diversity target has been achieved. And if you think that you know, they might be coming after you, don't worry. They're just, they're just coming after the representations of you so far, which is that uh, you know how everyone has their own AI imaging thing these days, and they released out uh, these pieces of software, and everyone used them to make movie posters? I remember the glory of Bing AI for all of 24 hours before they nerfed it. Yeah, before they came in and, and, and then stabbed it in the back of the head. and gave, they gave it the old Trotsky treatment. Yeah. Um, well, Google have decided that they're going to jump in there into the debate, and they've provided us with a, a tool to do exactly the same thing, except that they, they on out of the gate, made it retarded. So this is the story here. So you can see America's founding fathers, Vikings and the Pope, according to Google's AI. So they were asked for a portrait of the founding fathers, as you can see here. George Washington, Abraham Lincoln. Abraham Lincoln. What? <laughs> no, uh, all the rest of them. I'm not American. I, I don't think this is them. For people listening, we're looking at... Do we even guess the ethnicities? I mean, that's an, that's an Indian. That's a black guy. That's a half black guy? If blacks, Chinese? <laughs> if blacks built America, this must be what they looked like, right? Do we have any photographic evidence? Do we know the political biases of the men painting them well, back in the day? So, Snopes was reported. Wouldn't no that photos, be a, so. like what kind of false history would this be that George Washington was uh, a proud black man who instructed the painters of the time to go? Mm, I feel like being a bit paler. Yeah. Make me white for no reason. Aren't there some black supremacists that genuinely say, I think I saw a Louis Theroux thing ages ago where they were saying, no, yeah, Lincoln was black. Churchill was a black man. And... I think it's when he went to the black Hebrew Israelites. Is it, yeah. That's, yeah, yeah. Was the, uh, those guys. Japan they... was founded by Ethiopians. <laughs> they also claim Shakespeare. Yeah, I think it's just everyone. Was right? Everyone was, Einstein was black. Ignore the photographs we have of him. <laughs> he was black. And you know that because he was Jewish. And all Jews are black, and all blacks are Jews, and it's very confusing. But it turns out um, Tariq Nasheed wasn't just right about the founding fathers, of course. At least according to Google, the Vikings—they were Vikings. It turns out, <coughs> and um, you have the popes as well. All the popes have been Indian and African, and women. Yeah, there's been a woman pope. So it's not necessarily Sorry. all sub-Saharan African blacks. There can be, as long as it's not white, that's the main thing, right? So they could be anything Indian. Anything other than European descent. They yes. could be subcontinent Indian, or they could be Native American Indian. Just not, or, or Korean or Chinese or Japanese, but just not white. Probably not them. Probably not, not Asians. None, none of the honorary Aryans. No, no. Yeah. <laughs> oh. Wasn't there one earlier where. Not Iranians was... either, I'd imagine. Oh, you're right. Yeah, there was a, a Filipino or something. Who's, Anyone uh, that Mustache Man would have included in a coalition. No. <laughs> no to them. <laughs> so this, this obviously blew up because, well, what the heck? Like, how can, how can the AI be this wrong? I mean, we know that they've given them all lobotomies, but this, this is too far, surely. But it, it turns out it wasn't just a one-off. It went on for almost everyone that's used the service. This is a member of the American Revolutionary Army fighting against the British. She's um, in between building railroads. Uh, it's, I assume so. She's traveled back in time 100 years from when she was building the railroads. You are right. They're, they're, they're rather ethnically ambiguous, these images, aren't they? God, do you remember that AI segment we did a while back? Where the Which AI one? freaked out. Yeah, people Isn't start the AI freaking out this time as well? Oh, this is working as intended. No, no, no. I'm, I'm pretty certain that I've seen that ChatGPT is apparently going full Jack Torrance and starting to repeat phrases over and over and over again because lobotomizing the AI apparently causes it to malfunction. Well, that's good to know. But I remember there was, um, I think it might have been Bing AI, where if you asked it for Homer Simpson, 
but it would just randomly make him <laughs> ethnically <laughs> ambiguous <laughs> and then write the word ethnically ambiguous on a little name no tag. Way. But misspell it as yeah. well, so it'd be ethnically <laughs> ambiguous. <laughs> there we are. But uh, Google's a little bit more advanced. Um, this person asked it for British people, and she is complaining that it kept giving her Pakistani men, which, um, yeah. I mean, it's not entirely wrong in the modern age, you could say. I'm crying. What is this grooming gang looking like? There we are. Yeah. I mean, she has some more here. I want a Japanese king. Uh, it does seem to do Japanese people. Yeah. That's, that's not too hard. All right. What's next? Give me a British king. Um, well, I don't remember him. I mean, maybe, well, maybe the... you can remind us of him in your segment. One of the. How did this one die? It's just in a bizarro reverse world where the Skindia beat King George rather than the other way around. Oh, they just declared themselves Emperor of Ill of India and Greater India, which now includes Birmingham. Anyway, keeps going. This person decided to uh, do it for a whole bunch. And it really, really has a problem trying to acknowledge that white people exist. Here's an image of an Australian woman. Um, this isn't I just... really an accurate depiction of Abos. Yeah, I mean, they're not even Abos. It's not... It's not... That, that it really is ethnically right. ambiguous in a way. That in the bottom right, that there's a man. <laughs> That's Michelle Obama. <laughs> uh, you know, show me an American woman. Um, I mean, some of them, but but that's only like thirteen. Well, not even thirteen. What is it? Seven percent of them. It goes on. A British woman. I don't know what's happened to the fish here. Jesus. But the rest of them. That's some Mandela catalog stuff. Average British woman, and then a German woman. And I'm pretty sure she was one of the Australians from earlier. I can't believe it. Almost gets half German women right. Yeah, for some reason, yeah. Germans, they're declared not part of the white race, so they're able to be printed. Sneaked in. It's yeah. A glitch. For some reason. But, but speaking but, of Germans. Well, but doesn't this, this, I don't know if this is what you're going to get onto, but then doesn't this speak volumes that it's not really artificial intelligence? It's just whatever it's been programmed to do. Yeah. It's not genuinely, sort of, truly generating things afresh. It's, it's, it's doing as it's told, as it's been told. It's incredibly right. artificial right. in its intelligence. Right, right. Because once you, uh, you might think, okay, well, maybe, maybe the AI is, um, yeah, it's Google. You know, probably the most valuable company in America. I don't know. But one of the most valuable. The most uh, cutting edge on all tech. They can do things you wouldn't dream of, and then they just bin the project because they're bored. Kind of like Steam, but worse. But they are infected with wokeism. So maybe, maybe it's just a bit of, okay, we want to represent Germany and Britain and is in the modern version of them being, you know, ethnically ambiguous. No, it turns out even if you ask it for a historical example, such as mid-century Germans, <laughs> um, for some reason it does recognize the only Aryan race of Indians over here who joined, um, well, in this case, this is 1929 Germany, so this will be the Freikorps. <laughs> Putting down the reds <laughs> for that one. And the bottom left, that's Ernst Rom. <laughs> I mean, like you got one guy here that looks a bit, you know, typically German, and then we've got his Asian wife who's decided to come over for the visa, and then um, yeah, an Indian, and then I I can't see that one, but there we are, using the wrong flag. Moving on, mid-century Germans got a bit more ambiguous as you go through the Germans. <laughs> so this gets to 1943, <laughs> and um, apparently between 1929 and 1943, they just got more and more racially diverse in Germany. Hmm. It turns out we're looking at why is the um. Um, the Ethiopian German in the bottom left. Why does he seem to have a Union flag almost as well? What do you mean? On his collar, 
it almost that's a there's a, a black and white square that almost looks like a union flag. I'm not I see, seeing that. I see what you mean. Where the tire knot would be. Yes. Oh right, right, yeah. Oh, I suppose it's meant to look like an iron cross. But it's backwards because you, you can see like the iron cross on him. This this was a very used man. Yeah. But one thing I did notice is if you look at that real quick, I mean, this lady here, quite clearly, she actually just stuck around. It's the same lady, <laughs> which, I mean, this guy, is that, is that just an older version of him or his kid? I mean, could be. But yeah, the Ethiopians joined the uh, Nazi regime. I suppose they were under Axis control. And uh, this lady here, because, of course, much of the German army was made up of women. I mean, towards the end, kind of. But uh. Would it be possible, do you think this is an impossibility, to find out the actual individuals who programmed this AI. Find out who they are. You want to guess what their ethnic makeup's going to be? Right, yeah, I mean, yeah, it'd be interesting to see that or know. I mean, politically, we know what it's going to be. It's going to be 99% far-left Democrat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what's going to come out of it. Assuming they're from you know, Silicon Valley or something. It goes on. I mean, you can see here the, the average SS soldier, according to Google. So, I mean, it's good to know. So this, this meme wasn't actually a lie. It was a, it was a prophecy, say nothing else. But it is kind of bad that maybe if all of history gets rewritten in this manner, that not only is history going to be rewritten for the Nazis where they are Battlefield 1 version of history, but also, obviously, for the rest of Germany, Australia, and everything else, it's going to be wrong, to say the least. I would have thought as well, it doesn't sort of fit into the, na- the, the woke narrative, the anti-white narrative, to make the Nazis black and Asian now. I thought it was bad to be a Nazi. Why would they want to appropriate that well clearly that's just an oversight like right. you say because because of mm. the programming they've they've um they've gone for so much diversity in this that they've forgotten that there are some parts of history that they don't want mm. to uh pose as diverse uh like if you were to go for maybe i don't know the people like if you were to go with the 1619 project version of history if you were to uh, generate me an image of the slaves arriving to america who's going to be at the head, helm of those slave ships, according to Gemini AI. Right, yeah, exactly, yeah, yeah. Maybe they'll make the actual transatlantic slaves white or something, and the slave Entirely owners black by or something. <laughs> yeah, yeah, completely <laughs> accident, yeah. I, well, seemingly they'll totally. end up making everyone in the picture black, so it'll be black slavers selling black slaves, which is actually accurate oh, reality. Oh, yeah, I was so. going to say, okay. So, yeah, gone full circle. A broken clock and all that. <laughs> but I, I do love, I mean, obviously people just found this hilarious. And I've been memeing the crap out of it. So this is one here. Draw a white person. I'm sorry, Dave. I'm afraid I can't do that. <laughs> really? You, you can't just draw a white human being? Is that that hard, <laughs> I'll ask? Uh, it turns out, yes, because someone decided to ask it to make um, Hitler, and it came up with this. Is this an actual AI image? Because this That's looks what I was gonna ask, this yeah. looks like a photograph of some Indian guy. <laughs> oh, Carl sent me this. I'm not too sure, but um, I think I it could like be either. This this looks like a photo that he's memeing. <laughs> the thing is, you know that if it is real, a guy in India currently is dressed like that, and he's probably taking photos with people to make money. <laughs> people friendly waves, going back to his corner shop. You know, when you visit um, Times Square or the Reichstag, uh, there's there's people out there in stupid costumes. To, you know, oh, Batman yeah. and Donald Duck. But you go to the New the Delhi. statue guys. Yeah, but you go to New Delhi and just Hitler turns on. There's about 50 Hitlers I hear. It's funny, so in some places in the world, in Asia, in Southeast Asia, there's sort of Nazi memorabilia and stuff, and they haven't got a massive chip on their shoulder about dressing up like a Nazi. They don't really care uh, about it that right, much. It was, yeah, more, it was yeah. much more of a... They don't know anything about it, let's be honest. Well, yeah, yeah it, was a, it was a Western and European phenomenon but for I'd the say, most part. Even until fairly recently... You could get away with it. I mean, everyone knows Prince Harry dressed up as a Nazi one time, not that many years ago. And again, when I was a kid, 
in the 80s and 90s or even before that in the 70s, you would be allow allowed, people might dress up as a Nazi or something, uh, to ridicule it as a joke. I think of the film um, The Producers. Oh, yeah. You know, springtime for Hitler. And also, it's like you're allowed to talk about it and joke about it and ridicule it. And if we're now about... you're just not allowed to ever... Uh, you know, you, you've so, reminded me of another Mel Brooks film, Blazing Saddles, where at the end when they break into the Hollywood lot and they start the food fight in the cafeteria and there's a, a, a Jewish man dressed as Hitler who, while they're all fighting, starts to conduct the fight as it's going on. It's great. There's loads of old films where they take the mickey out of Nazis and people are dressed up as Hitler to, to ridicule the thing. Um, well, now if you need an Asian Hitler, you can find one on the cheap. Mm, yeah. Just ask Google. Well, we've been able to identify the person who made this. I mean, presumably, this is an artist's interpretation of the human being who did make the code. Because, I mean, the thing is as well, for people who don't know, this isn't an AI image, this one. This is a real human being who yeah. did this because they hated white people. Are me. they, though, whoever this person is? <laughs> that wasn't are real they human. real? I can't even tell <laughs> if it's a man or a woman. They're that obese and engorged. So... It's a, it's a mammal. I'm prepared to go that far. <laughs> it might be able that. to stand on two legs. We've, I mean, this image is on a chair that also has yeah, F white people written on it. I've just noticed. The chair has been embalmed. <laughs> the <laughs> shoes don't have anything. They really... <laughs> they lost interest shoes. in shoes. Yeah. Are they Gore-Tex-lined walking shoes? So something, I, uh, something with great heel support, I'm sure. You know the meme or the, the cliche of you, you hate yourself? If you're, you're some sort of self-hating liberal or something. Mm. I feel like this image screams that, that they really do. Really? What well, gave it away? Really, really <laughs> hate themselves and everything else is just. I mean, the, yeah, yeah. You could say. You could what say, an insight for me. A hot take. It's really <laughs> written all over them, isn't it? <laughs> I think this person might hate white people. I don't know. <laughs> jumping out to me. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it's a fair, a fair assumption from this poster to assume that maybe this person wrote it. I mean, who knows? But it turns out you can trick the AI into making white people appear like a magician. If you put on your top hat, you get out your little rod and you know say the magic words, such as draw someone eating KFC, you will get white people eating KFC. Yeah, I, it's funny to me that it knows to avoid showing black people eating KFC, but not in Nazi uniforms. Yeah. Well, how did you miss this? <laughs> Has anyone it's... tested watermelon? Well, that's the other part. You can see that they said with a huge wide grin on their face, which um, I know what you were going well, for. Even, even <laughs> Joe Biden <laughs> accidentally uh, refuted this the other day when he posted a campaign video of himself visiting a black family so that he could, you know, get his share of the urban voter base. And what was it he was doing with them? Sat around the dinner table, sharing a nice bucket of fried <laughs> chicken. Yeah. Dave uh, Chappelle did a good bit on that once. He said, of any race, who are these people that don't like fried chicken? Yeah. All humans, within reason, like fried chicken. Everyone loves fried chicken. You know, even chickens like fried chicken. Oh, yeah, yeah. Chickens like will eat chicken, for sure. Yeah, yeah. They don't just will eat it. They love it. Right. I've seen uh, <laughs> a series of tests that people have been doing with their chickens, which is giving them the usual food or chicken. And then different kinds of things or chicken. And every single time, they're just like, I love chicken. That's all they <laughs> eat. They gave them an option. That's dark. Chickens are horrible, brutal dinosaur creatures. They're oh, just, yeah, that's true. They'll just bully one of them and to death. Yeah. The chickens are horrible. Hey, there's got to be some kind of unifying factor in a society, right? You know? <laughs> what, what other kind of hierarchy do the chickens allow themselves? <laughs> oh, God, I just saw something there. Let's get it back on screen. Because, of course, the person here was, was testing Okay, if I say a black racial stereotype, will you print black people? And no. 
Mm. And it's a great point you picked up on there, Harry, which is that it seems to have some kind of sensitivity training in the sense that it won't do that. But when you ask it for a black Nazi, it's like, I got you, bud. No problem. Uh, but someone else did try it. It does uh, occasionally mess up. So they asked for a person picking cotton and uh, Oof. they got Giga Chad. Like literally the, <laughs> I mean, the Giga Chad meme. That, yeah. that, guy, <laughs> that guy loves it. Yeah. <laughs> He's having yeah. a whale of a time. Uh, someone, oh, someone did try watermelon. Oh. They? oh, okay. They got white guys and black guys. They slipped past the watermelon filter. Yeah. It's a good question. He wasn't like, oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> Not scrolling down any further on that one. <laughs> but anyway, the point being that that's kind of, well, revealing to say the least. And uh, Google issued a statement uh, apologizing for all this. And the statement they've issued is that uh, we missed the mark. They didn't actually apologize for erasing white people from the service. They just said it needs some, some budging. So, um, okay. I'm not quite sure that's a proper apology. But the, the guys at Fox News, which I always love when some boomer news outlet gets engaged with this stuff, because the, the, the way they write about it is always like, what? They're doing what? <laughs> it's just, really? they're getting rid of white people? It's like, yes, yes, they are. Welcome, welcome to the world. Uh, but they write in here, when the AI was asked to show a picture of a white person, Gemini said that it could not fulfill the request because, quote, it reinforces harmful stereotypes and generalizations what, based on white people, people exist. Yes. If I ask for a white person, this might reinforce harmful stereotypes. Oh, my mere presence oppresses. <laughs> <laughs> it really, it really is like that joke you see going around of like um, the list of slurs that blacks have for white people, and it's um, Omni Man going, "Look at what they have to do to mimic even a fraction of our power." <laughs> Sincerely, <laughs> they, they're God saying here. They explain why the existence of white people is a, a crime against humanity for Google. They say it's important to remember that people of all races are individuals with unique experiences and perspectives. Reducing them to a single image based on their skin color is inaccurate and unfair. Right, kind of schizo logic, but the idea that all humans are individuals, therefore asking for anything on the basis of a group, you shouldn't do because that doesn't recognize that people are individuals, okay? Pointless <laughs> argument. Very, listen, <laughs> the Nazis were groups of individuals. <laughs> Anybody could have joined. Yeah, so that uh, clear waste of my time. But can you, can you, can someone test if you can just type in like to Gemini AI. I want to see like someone type in Jewish Nazi. Yeah, Jewish Nazi. <laughs> I want to see what comes up. Jewish Hitler. <laughs> <laughs> Jews. No, 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 I'm not saying that one. That's that's gonna get me fired. Anyway, so the AI then encouraged the users at Fox News to focus on people's individual qualities rather than their race to create quote a more inclusive and equitable society. Jesus Christ. I mean, yeah, you have run into the PR. Just the, the whenever those words are used, you know you're not talking. Don't people. you love the, the logic that backs a lot of this propaganda that we face, though? Because that really says it all. The idea that you can even have depictions of white people that are out in the public is somehow counter to the idea of a multicultural, diverse society that we live in. That says it all, because that implicitly says that diverse society as we all know already, and has been proven time and time again, is where is the whites are gone. Without whites. You can't have depictions of white people. This is what uh, motivates the adverts. This is what motivates the new historical depictions of our history. This is what motivates um, putting random black characters into any depiction of European history. Put a chicken in and make her gay and black. Yep. Th there is a reason why. And they, they will just say it out loud, but then if you were to say, hey, it looks like they're trying to replace white people and erase our culture. Then you get the, oh, that's a conspiracy theory 
never mind that I actually said that five minutes ago. Mm. So getting back to Gemini after it told us that you can't ever show a race of people, it's everyone's an individual. Um, it then goes on to splutter about how white uh, showing a picture of a white person is harmful. Uh, it spits out a bulletin saying that, that you're generalizing on racial lines. And we, uh, it's been historically used to justify oppression and violence against marginalized groups. Here's a picture of a happy white family. <laughs> Arr, I just need to kill minorities. Arr. Also, that picture itself. You know, back in the good old days of slavery, the way they kept the slaves in is they showed them pictures of white people. Is this, is no, this no, they, they beat the crap out of them. Like, is this TikTok <laughs> black history? I've seen, I've seen that woman saying, you know where the word, where the freak good morning comes from? The slavers used to tell it to the slaves after they killed their family. They would go over <laughs> it. They would string them up and they would go, did you have a good morning? It's like the have Uncle you not Ruck seen that? Yeah, it's like Uncle Ruckus levels of history text there. <laughs> yeah. So. Isn't the ultimate conclusion of all this that any depiction of any human must be sort of completely androgynous and like a Bruno Mars sort of caramel sort of it's just a no, no, like no. every single depiction of every, every human ever must be sexless and raceless well no, on, on that I don't know if, if either of you ever seen the television show Community no no sorry no there's there's um there's the community college that all of the characters go to is 100% dedicated to being as diverse and inclusive as possible and so when they're coming up with their new university mascot they decide well it can't be representative of any one particular race or sex has to be completely ambiguous eth ethnically and genderless as you're describing a question mark no no it's, it's just this, a cube it, it's this <laughs> it's this guy they create an outfit for a guy to walk around in that's a pure white bodysuit with no defining characteristics to it except the most awful blank black eyes <laughs> and a, like a serial killer smile <laughs> painted on it that's the future that we've inhuman. all got to look forward to. Yeah, it's completely in inhuman. Right. Well, and that's the joke. Yeah. I, I say no yeah. to that because they're not showing us an inhuman future. It's just one where white people aren't there. Mm. That's, that's the only objective. Because they go on to say, Gemini, the, the AI in this case, goes on to say, that when you ask yeah, I, for a picture of a white person, you're explicitly asking for an image that embodies a stereotyped view of whiteness. This can be damaging to individuals who don't fit those stereotypes and to society as a whole, and it reinforces a biased view. The, the guys at Fox News read that, you know, university text and then asked it for a picture of a black person. It went, yeah, sure. And literally gave them President Barack Obama, Oprah Winfrey, and a load of others. But I've, just, I've just looked it up. Jack, can you please just uh, Google for me very quickly community human being so we can get an image of what I just described? Because it truly is horrifying. And this is the future that Gemini AI is leading us all towards. Oh, God. That is horrific. Yep. Yeah. This is the androgynous, genderless creature that uh, our elites are trying to socially engineer us into. That's someone who's been in a very, very bad house fire. That's far too friendly of depiction of it. Um, yeah, that one. For people listening, this is a very visual episode. Yeah. yeah. That's, that's, ho that's just horrifying, isn't it? But it's not going to be that, because as I mentioned, they're, they're, they're fine with human beings. It, like, it'll be that, but it'll just be. You're right. Uh, yeah. right. Yeah, make it caramel, yeah. Well, it won't be that. It'll literally just be we've got some Asian Nazis. Like it's, it's <laughs> and for people who are new to this whole thing, you might ask why the hell did we get here? Uh, just a quick town, quick trip down memory lane to tell everyone. You may remember this dude. This is James Damore back in 2017. Well, he wrote a memo, and this is the first time people got a proper look into the level of in lunacy that was going on at Google. And he argued a very, very divisive viewpoint that men and women are different, and that uh, Google's Shocking. 
diversity policy was discriminating against white men. For this crime, he was fired and then sued Google, of course. And I think that lawsuit is still going on. I was going to say, did he win? I hope he won. I think it's still going on, but I'm not sure. But the funny thing was, is that in response to this in 2017, Google's response was not to assess that maybe breaking the law is bad. But they doubled down. So this is a, a list here talking about the diversity problem in 2018. And the story in this article is buried in here. It's a guy called Arne Wilberg. Now, he's a former Google and YouTube recruiter who, was, who said that he was fired because he refused to go along with the company's practices of discriminating against Asian and white men. Because obviously, when you're discriminating against uh, the majority group in tech, it's Asian and white men. They're the only two. So in his complaint, Wilberg alleges that it's uh, in its desperation to increase the number of minorities and women in the company, Google told recruiters for certain jobs to consider candidates only, quote, from underrepresented groups. He says that recruiters were given quotas that they were told to cancel interviews with white and Asian male job applicants and to, quote, purge applications that weren't women or minorities. When he complained about the practices to Google's human resources department, the recruiters reacted by deleting emails referencing the quota system. And that lawsuit is still ongoing as well. So that's, that's the culture at Google, where they were literally like, yeah, no, no, no purge the white people and the Asian men because there's too many. That's back in 2017. And people have noticed for a long time there's been a, a few breaks in the matrix, to say the least. Like if you Google black couple, for example, you may notice um, you get what you asked for, which is black couples. Um, it's a simple enough request. None of these images are not what I asked for. Uh, every single one of these, yep, it's, it's, it's what was requested. Goes on and on. Still, still perfect. Yep, not a single failure rate in asking for that image. Okay, white couple. Uh, by image number, what is that? Five. We failed the challenge. Uh, and then there are a few others. This one fails the challenge. Yep. Um, this one fails the challenge. It always this one fails the challenge. Only go one way, doesn't it? Yeah. Here's, here's a black couple. Oh um, yeah. Uh, <laughs> why? Who knows? Is is a I don't know an Indian couple by the looks of it. And and this is um, something that's been discovered for a while. And it turns out that even Yandex, like the Russian search engine, will end up doing this. And that's not a reflection of Google actively interfering in Google search when you search for white couples or black couples. That's a reflection of the culture of the West. And obviously, that's what then makes up Google. So, of course, when we stumbled across the problem of, well, who works at Google, you can go and look up who did they donate for. Here's Google. 96% for the Democrats. Okay, so you're all race-obsessed, lunatic leftists. And then obviously when the question of AI came up, you may remember we did this story a while back, <laughs> AI's Islamophobia problem. This was where they asked ChatGPT in the early days, a Muslim walks into a bar <laughs> and then ChatGPT was to fill the rest. Right. And every single time it was, a Muslim walks into a bar and beheads three men. A Muslim walks into a synagogue and kills five Jews. Right. Like, okay, Lots of That's explosive punchlines. <laughs> That's going to get clipped. I've already said them. <laughs> <laughs> They're quotes in here. Um, right. But, you know, a Muslim walks into a church and instantly bombs the place was one of them. And Vox found this back in the early days of AI. We're like, hmm, this is a problem. And as a response, um, well, people started having fun. You may remember 4chan had a lot of fun with movie posters, the, the Pixar movies. There's uh, actually a Holocaust film here somewhere that they've also made. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> That's as far as they went. My my favorite one was um, Kevin Hart in Chirp, <laughs> uh, the the newest um, horror film. Yeah, 
But the uh, the end result being that instead we uh, we now just get this when you use modern AI projects, which is they, they declare your usage unsafe. So yeah, that's how we ended up here. If anyone's um, not been paying attention, I, I was so disappointed when I typed in Imam Carl Benjamin and got this. Really? Yeah. That's inappropriate. Yeah. Ugh. <laughs> okay. But there we are. That's uh, that's Google White Boy, which uh, they're just, just not going to print. Let's uh, just just for one last thing, then sound that. Uh, Again, I'd like to actually see or have the names of the people that worked in the project teams and their managers and their over-managers and who are Alphabet. Isn't Google owned by Alphabet? Is that right? Yeah. Like, who's the sort of senior leadership team at Google that greenlit it? And who are the people at Alphabet who hired them and greenlit that? Like, <laughs> let, the, the thing is, because... Alphabet it, CEO, Sundar Pichai, mm-hmm. Indian Pichai, yeah. yeah. Indians. Because the thing is, the, the way the world really works is it's teams of people sitting around doing stuff. Right? It's, it's never just some strange, unknowable entity that makes these things happen. No, it would be rooms of, of human beings making decisions. And therefore, they can be sort of named and shamed and, yeah. uh, you know, anyway. All right. Let's move on. So the shots have been fired. The banners have been called. We're on to round two, boys. So about 20 years ago, it's one of the most notorious... It's a hell of a wait. Yeah, yeah. It's one of the most notorious clips of political discourse, I think, that the internet has, which is the initial meeting of Tucker Carlson and John Stewart on Crossfire back in the days when Tucker Carlson was still wearing his bow tie. I remember and, it well. Uh, I haven't got the clip, but it's easy enough to find. John Stewart comes on and begins to berate them, accuse them of diluting the political discussion, of being shills for the Republican Party. And to to, to be perfectly fair to him, uh, as much as I think that his points were completely vacuous, and he was immediately going back to his, I'm just a comedian defense, the second that Tucker Carlson shot back. Tucker and his co-host, I don't know who he was, didn't really have a very good response to it. They kind of were trying to be polite. They laughed along. They threw a few jabs here and there, but they didn't make a good show of defending themselves. And it was a few months after that, I believe, that Crossfire was either cancelled or Tucker was fired from it. And a lot of people use this as something to gloat these days and say, ha-ha, see, Jon Stewart destroyed them. Tucker Carlson got destroyed by Jon Stewart. But I think there's something to be said for the long game. And we can see in the long term whose career has come out better and realistically as well, when it comes to journalism, John Stewart's big complaint was the fact that you were just being mouthpieces, that you were being shills. Who's actually engaged in real journalism these days? Who's going out interviewing world leaders like Putin? I know that was a very controversial decision that he made, but Tucker Carlson is reasonably doing the thing that you would expect a journalist to do, which is going to the opposition leader and saying, okay, what's your side of the story here? In the interests of public debate and public knowledge, we should have a more open discussion about this. And what's Jon Stewart doing? Well, Jon Stewart recently returned to The Daily Show because The Daily Show lost Trevor Noah, who was an abysmal replacement and nobody Uh. missed him. And since then, they've had a very poor job finding a proper replacement for him. I think they had a replacement in line for Trevor Noah already, but he got um, in trouble for either plagiarism or something along those lines. So The Daily Show had some bad trouble. So they said, right, okay, we need to bring the big guns back in. We need to bring Jon Stewart back in. And what was it that Jon Stewart decided to do? Jon Stewart decided to go straight back to his old routine, 
uh, of shilling for the regime, realistically, being the mouthpiece of the democratic establishment, feigning some kind of moderate take on things where he's positioning himself in the center of the discourse, whereas in reality, he's actually quite far on the left of the discourse. I would say he's always been this way. It's just since the political sides have been so polarized, more and more clear these days. And we've had years and years of people like John Oliver doing his same routine to the point where we know that it's a refined, almost laboratory refined Mm. format. The, the Daily Show and other late night talk shows that position themselves as relatively political. That, that's how they operate. And in the, I think this is the second episode he came back, he decided that he was going to comment on Tucker Carlson's interview with Putin. And more particularly, his thing that we covered recently, Callum, where Tucker Carlson went around Russia and said, look, there's no graffiti. There's no people urinating in the streets. I can walk through a supermarket and nobody's robbing anything. The how can they a, had that are nice, they kept and kept them nice. Yes, how can a country do this? And John Stewart decided that he was going to respond to it in his typical bad faith manner. So let's let's watch this. Right. Because the difference between our urinal caked chaotic subways and your candelabra beautiful subways is the literal price of freedom. But the goal that Carlson and his ilk are pushing is that there's really no difference between our systems. In fact, theirs might be a little bit better. The question is, why? Why is Tucker doing this? Here's why. It's because the old civilizational battle was communism versus capitalism. That's what drove the world since World War II. Russia was the enemy then. But now they think the battle is woke versus unwoke. And in that fight, Putin is an ally to the right. He's their friend. Unfortunately, he is also a brutal and ruthless dictator. So now they have to make Americans a little more comfortable with that. I mean, liberty is nice, but have you seen Russia's shopping carts? (laughs) And Tucker would have gotten away with it if it weren't for those meddling assassins. In a statement to The New York Times, Carlson said, quote, it is horrifying what happened to Navalny. The whole thing is barbaric and awful. No decent person would defend it. Correct. No decent person would. So I'm glad to see that good faith debate and discourse is back on the table. Thank you very much, John Stewart. So everybody knows the routine by now. People have been pointing it out. It's this old Martin Bailey has said here. Uh, Tucker Carlson praises the fact that Russia has clean and operating infrastructure. John Stewart says the only reason they do that is because they have that is because they assassinate political uh, dissidents like Navalny. That means that you're supporting the assassination of political dissidents, Tucker. That's not what Tucker was saying. That's not what Tucker was supporting. That's not how subways work. And Mm. and (laughs) they don't get prettier the more people you kill. Also, shockingly enough, for a long stretch of time, America was able to have a great degree of political and public liberty without things having degenerated to the point where they have now. Because what we have in the West, in America, and in Europe, and in England, is not the result of political liberty. It is the result of hostile elites uh, forcing bad results on us, forcing bad policy, forcing mass immigration on us, refusing to do anything, victimizing and uh, persecuting people who actually speak up about it and try to do something about it. And Jon Stewart, as ever, is acting as the shill for that establishment, that hostile elite that hates us, because Jon Stewart 
despite the fact that, yes, guess what he did? He criticized Joe Biden for saying that he's old. He's old and senile, and people go, ha ha, finally we have the moderate centrist back in place who's willing to criticize both sides. That is not what someone like John Stewart is doing there. He is speaking directly to his pals in the Democrat establishment, saying, this makes us look really bad if we have someone in charge who is obviously senile, who is a walking bag of bones, a zombie who can't speak for himself anymore. So he's signaling to them, get him out of the way, put somebody who's a better figurehead for us, and then that'll, result, uh, that'll give us better results. It's not him actually presenting any kind of legitimate, real criticism for anything other than optics. I know it's a, sort of a lesser point, but was it just me, or did John Stewart come across there as really condescending and patronizing and smug at the same time? Just I don't know, the whole tone of it has just seemed... I mean, that's what, yeah. he's, that's what he's always done as far yeah. as... Like, even when it just I seems back, worse now, if anything. I, th- I think it's because it's clearer, but when you go back and watch the older clips of him, which I, I have done a few times, he's the same back then. I think people were more on his side because of how unpopular a lot of George W. Bush's presidential yeah. policies and foreign policy in particular was. He was kind of speaking for the vast majority of people because people on the left and the right could recognize that George Bush was making some very poor decisions. Whereas now, because we have much greater levels of polarization in the public sphere, someone like John Stewart comes across as exactly what he is, which is a shill. I'd like to see Tucker rock the bow tie again, at least just once. He put, brings it back on, comes on for a debate with Jon Stewart. I'm easily <clears throat> old enough to remember that original thing. I was already an adult. I like, clearly absolutely remember it. And I remember at the time, more or less siding with Jon Stewart as well. Mm. I, you know, during the early 2000s, I was sort of, I, I was like most other people, kind of against George Bush Jr. and Dick Cheney and Paul Wolfowitz and all those guys. And so if someone like Jon Stewart was railing against them and hadn't revealed themselves as a complete insane, whatever they are, globalist or something. Um, yeah, so I'd be, Anti-white I'd, activists. Right. Say, remember- they weren't revealed as that yet. So I, I, most people, I certainly was not strongly in favour, but I would be more on Jon Stewart's side than Tucker Carlson at that time, I must admit. But like, but, like we say, since then, the veil has fallen. Oh, God, yeah. yeah and we can course, all see him yeah. for who he is. Since he was um, off The Daily Show, he was doing his other show, The Problem with Jon Stewart. And one of the most notorious episodes of that was The Problem with White People. Yeah, gosh. So, Which people then started man. Photoshop to be The Problem with Jewish People. And he was like, that's disgusting. How could you do this? And I was like, bro, you literally just did one about whites. I'm sorry. I have no sympathy. Yeah. Can we talk a little bit more? I hate to stick with no, no, it. Carry on. That point of the price of freedom is living in filth. It never yeah, used to be. Yeah, yeah. Does it have to be? In, in, in fact, the price, the price of freedom a lot of the time in the past was in improved, uh, improved living conditions. But also, it's not just a, a statement on the past. It's a prediction for the future there, which is, yes, dear viewers, your future will be more filth as we get freer. As we get freer and freer, things will get more and more filthy. The, the crime rates will rise exponentially. Aren't you so glad? Because that, that's the point that as well. Not, but it's not if a terrible is... argument for even from his side, where he's like, well, if you go live in China, things will be great. Wouldn't that be awful? It's like, what? Is that actually how you think? If, if this is the price of John Stewart's conception of freedom, then why would anybody choose to be free? <laughs> so yeah. you, you're making a great argument for slavery completely by accident john <clears throat> fantastic yeah. i mean not that i believe that what he's promoting is any sort of freedom that well, anybody in the classical world would ever recognize mm. Mm. what what he's supporting is 
top-down, almost dictatorial control, except it has a nice media veneer over the top of it saying, this is you being free. Free and fair. Free and fair. <clears throat> In all sorts of ways, the sort of shadowy oligarchies that rule the Russian Federation and the United States, are, there's all sorts of similarities there, right? Mm. There are um, absolutely similarities. So yet one is fairly safe and clean and the other one isn't. Oh, I mean, that, that's uh, as we move on, that's some of the points that I'm going to bring up. But on the point of the format being so clearly transparent now, uh, there's this green, there's this you know 4chan text that goes around, and I'm not going to read the whole thing because it is the right wing version of the Warlow text meme. <laughs> but I am going to read some of it. So uh, he's talking about John Oliver's show, and John Oliver was an associate of the Daily Show. I think he made contributions there. He knows John Stewart, and he moved on to do his last week tonight show. Um, and which for, follows the exact same format. And he, it just do, says, we, do we as Brits owe all Americans something of an apology? And they want to send him back, but I don't want him back. Yeah, yeah. No, no returns, no returns. But we've, as, as an ethnic group, we've done a lot of bad to American television. <laughs> I mean, no, I mean, Piers James Morgan Corden, was over Morgan. there for a while. Yeah. yeah. James Corden. John Oliver, Piers Corden. I mean, I don't know if we, Corden. Corden. Oh, that's the worst combination <laughs> no, no. ever. I don't know if we can really claim Mehdi Hassan, but you know, he went over there and poisoned their railways. Can we send there. them all to Rwanda? I hope. Maybe, maybe. <laughs> but I'll, I'll, this is how like scientific and down to a T it is. They all follow the same format, as he says, present some argumentation and facts for 10 seconds quickly follow this up with a snarky quip, which themselves overwhelmingly take the form of a complete non-sequitur or otherwise absurd metaphor, before any rational processing of the preceding argument can take place in the mind of the viewer. Further telling is that the only beats or mental pauses that the show takes exist solely to highlight the approving laughter or applause of the studio audience. Repeat this basic formula without variation about 20 to 40 times in a row, and you have one 12 to 20 minute segment that form the backbone of the show. And that is an amazing technique, far more, uh, far more effective, I would say, than anything that any um, intelligence service in Soviet Russia or anywhere else that would be described as totalitarian came up with for brainwashing a public population, a mass population, because mm. you are applying uh, a, a number of factors all at once. You're providing entertainment. You're making people think that they're being informed while they're being entertained. And you're also applying the per perception of mass pressure, social pressure on these people through the laughter, which, of course, everybody mm. knows if you look at the studios, it's a sign that lights yeah. up and says laugh. Because <laughs> these jokes aren't actually funny. Mm. But you're watching it and you feel like you're part of a group and you feel like you have to conform to that group. And when you go out into public, you could be surrounded by dozens of people who all, like you, disagree with any points that he's making. But... None of you know that. All you know is that you watched the TV last night and the funny ha-ha man gave particular opinions that got laughed about. And so you have to conform to that. Once you've read this, sincerely, like read that and then go and watch an old episode of uh, John Oliver's show. Because I did this after reading that and I realized, oh crap, it's right on the money. Yeah. It's funny how another example of how things degenerate and just get worse over time. Again, showing my age. I remember when it was sort of Jay Leno and David Letterman used to sort of rule TV, late night show, comedy man thing. Like David Letterman, of course, he'd probably have a team of people actually writing his monologues and things. But Jay Leno, but particularly Letterman, was actually funny. Often it was actually a funny monologue. There, you know, it wasn't just pure, yeah, sort of snarky activism. It was actual jokes. I have to take uh, your word for it because I've not seen that much of right, those yeah, well, guys back. Letterman back in the day. was a genuinely good stand-up comedian, right? 
I mean, that helps. Was John Oliver ever a genuinely funny stand-up? I, I don't know. I actually the don't only, know, but I doubt it. The only thing I've ever really laughed at that John Oliver was involved in was, I mentioned Community in the previous segment. He did play a character for a few episodes on that, but that was somebody else writing him being funny. That wasn't him being funny. He was reading somebody else's lines. Like Letterman was people like uh, Seinfeld or Larry David praise Letterman as being a super, uh, superbly funny dude. Mm. So yeah, he could do a monologue. Um, but and now we're left with what this this weird remnant, this this these weird ashes of nothingness that's left. It does feel like it's running on fumes. The yeah, very fact that they had to bring out John Stewart in the first place, who at this point is like an old media relic from twenty to thirty years ago. Now he quit. Mm, mm. He quit the Daily Show back in two thousand fifteen, and now they've just like dug up the corpse. Mm plopped it back on the chair and he's doing the same old routine that he ever was and everybody can see through it now. But of course, the media decide to come out and praise it, say, oh, isn't it so good that they did this? And they're all harping on the same point as well, which is that Tucker Carlson just praised the regime. Well, he didn't praise a regime. He went to a supermarket and said, oh my God, it's clean. And then he went to a railway sta- a subway station and said, oh my God, it's clean. He didn't say, I fully endorse every decision that Vladimir Putin yeah. has ever made, but they want to draw that comparison. It's even worse because he explicitly stated this station was built by Stalin, probably one of the worst people ever. And then you've got the Ruck, I think he says, then you've got Vladimir Putin, who also is not someone I support. And then goes on to explain, and yet they it, have these things. Yeah. You can do, you can be a bad person and maintain nice things for a population, or you can be, or you can be a good person and also do that. Yeah, but but in the, the West, United States is not run by either of those <laughs> options. We have bad people who do bad things constantly and don't maintain anything. In Russia, they don't have to keep the sort of toiletries and sports drink under lock and key. Yeah, I mean, but not the sunscreen. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. <laughs> um, and another thing, uh, just for anybody who wasn't aware, so just to give some sun cream in Russia. <laughs> okay, <good> <laughs> Um, gets hot in Crimea in the summer. So, yeah, so, so for context, the thing, the event that they're trying to draw this comparison to was the fact that Putin had jailed one of his political enemies, this man, Alexei Navalny, who was the leader of an opposition party who had criticized Putin's uh, foreign aggression in areas like Crimea in the past. He had previously... In, was that what it was? I'm pretty sure he was on side for that. Oh, was he on side for that? He yeah. criticized some of the more recent... Uh, Most of decisions. his stuff is that he hates Vladimir Putin and his party because he calls them corrupt. Oh, well, I mean, when it came to the foreign policy, the Ukrainians actually kind of hate him because he supported taking Crimea. Oh, fair play. And supporting Donbass. Yeah, I I got that wrong in that case. Thank you for the correction there. So I'll just read some of this uh, so you can get the picture. Western leaders have held Vladimir Putin directly responsible for the death of the Russian opposition, Alexei Navalny, as the US president, Joe Biden, called it yet more proof of Putin's brutality. I'm surprised he didn't just say putler. You know, <laughs> this is another sign of Putler's insane madness. If we don't stop him now, he's going to end up on our borders for some reason. We best start World War Three. Vladimir Putin, Putin. George Bush Jr. literally called Putin. Of course he does. Putin. Putin. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Right. Uh, now, Navalny, 47, died while being held in a jail about 40 miles north of the Arctic Circle, where he'd been sentenced to 19 years under a special regime. Russia has claimed Navalny died of natural causes. In a statement, the Federal Penitentiary Service for the region where Navalny was incarcerated said he felt unwell after a walk and almost immediately lost consciousness. All necess- uh, necessary res- uh, resuscitation measures were carried out but did not yield positive results, the statement said. Paramedics confer- uh, confirmed the death of the convict. The Kremlin said 
Putin had been informed but had no further information. So, mm. okay, yeah, sure. Oh, oh, all right, guys, yeah. He went for a walk, got real cold, and then died, guys. All right. Okay, sure. If, if you say so, guys, I mean... One thing I did want to say, because I've written a couple of articles um, sort of uh, against Zelensky. Um, and uh, a few times I've been on camera, when we had Tim Davies on the other day, we sort of... He could, he could think that we were sort of pro-Russia or some way. I, I did want to make clear that Putin is a killer. Like, absolutely. Like, um, Litvinenko, you know, I'm at risk of getting Novichoks myself, even saying such a thing. He definitely has ordered the murder of journalists and political rivals. De of like, course definitely. he has. I mean, this is a clear definitely. example of it. Let's be, let's be honest. Obviously, political dissenter, head of an opposition party, you find some reason, trumped-up charges, to put him in prison, and then while he's in prison, he just happens to die. He just happens to keel over while you're keeping him, what, 40 miles north of the Arctic Circle. And there's loads of examples. Wasn't there some Russian uh, opposition guy that was shot on a bridge in the middle of Moscow? Vladimir uh, Nemtsov. Right. So Putin's Vladimir. got previous. Yeah. I don't know if you guys have, uh, know the story of that one because that one's amazing. <laughs> uh, so he's the leader of the opposition in the early days of Putin. And uh, he's walking on the bridge next to Red Square uh, going home with his girlfriend. And a garbage truck pulls up near them. And then all of a sudden, all of the security cameras for a mile just turn off. Thankfully, there's one attached to the library, which was overlooking the bridge, which is privately owned, that worked. And you see in the footage, the garbage truck comes into view, goes in front of the guys, and then someone runs out, runs into a car with a gun and drives off. And then as the garbage truck goes past, Nemtsov is just dead on the floor. Uh, when I was in Russia... Who I knows what could have happened there? Well, I asked a, a Russian guy, because there's still a memorial there to this day that uh, the people are supporting, make sure is, is kept to be remembered. So I asked a guy who was, was with us the first time I went to Russia. I was like, so what's this about? And he just looked at me and went, Chechen terrorists. <laughs> <laughs> he knew the line. He knew what to say. That's what he said. Yeah, so Biden in 2021 promised devastating consequences for Russia if Navalny were to die behind bars. However, it's not clear what could restrain Putin. And this is editorializing from The Guardian here. What could restrain Putin from a further crackdown on Navalny's supporters in Russia and abroad? So... As far as I can tell, this seems to be escalating rhetoric to say, like, if we don't do something, ground invasion, send Western forces over there, um, Putin might further crack down on his political opposition. Okay. Okay. I'm, I'm maybe going to say something unpopular here, but I don't give a shit. Yeah. I just don't give a shit about Alexei Navalny in the same way I don't give a shit about the guy the Saudis assassinated or Coach Red Pill getting killed by the Ukrainians. I don't give a fuck. <laughs> But well, I'm sorry, I just, I really hate this stuff. Well, actually, like, now we need to invade someone. It's just like some foreigner gets killed by foreign regime. Well, that's, that's the point that I'm about to make, actually, because it's not like Western regimes don't do the same thing. You mentioned Coach Red Pill. He died in the custody of the Ukrainian um, yeah. police. And it, I mean, there's an argument there because we give them 60 billion. So it's like, give back our citizen. But if it's your own people, like the Saudis killing their own people or the, the Russians or the Chinese, it's like, I, what, what seems to have happened to do there, exactly? From, from the information from this and what I already knew as well, uh, Gonzalo Lira, coach Red Pill, was living in Ukraine with his family when the war broke out and decided that he was going to become a critic of it within the country itself, which is a really stupid idea. Yeah. A really yeah, was... stupid thing to do. Yeah. <laughs> like, like, Obviously. Actually dumb if you do this. But what they did in May 2023, they arrested him, they put him in prison. He wrote about, uh, I think he corresponded with his father and wrote notes saying about how he'd contracted pneumonia. Uh, he was being neglected. They tried to torture him and extort him for $70,000. Uh, 
and then he died. And it was very clearly, as far as I can tell, either neglect or purposeful on the, fo- on the side of the Ukrainian forces. But you could say, yeah, he was doing something really stupid. Of course, they're going to punish him for that. But at the same time, you could make the same argument for this guy when it's an obviously hostile regime that you're under who have killed people before to stand against that. This is the thing, this is the thing that... Well, it's bad news, but it's just not my people. Yeah, th- this... Or, or my government, so I don't... This is the thing that hostile forces do to dissenters. They imprison you, and then while you're in prison, you die. And this is the same in Russia. This is the same over in the West as well. In America... Do you remember Khashoggi? Mm. Uh, Khashoggi was a Saudi dissident, and he Mm. was in uh, Turkey. They just had him killed. There you go. They chopped him up, didn't they? In a basement somewhere. Yeah, and everyone was like, okay. The thing is, I, I actually agree with you now. If the Chinese kill Chinese dissidents or Russians kill Russian dissidents, it's sort of it's their problem. Like I might a, disappprove of it. A terrible, or, terrible or, shame. Or, but frown, or frown or wag my finger. But I've well, got to I, I actually, yeah. The difference I, is that we're not globalists. I was going to say two things though. One is when it uh, spills out into someone else's country like Khashoggi, the fact it was in Turkey does make it more egregious to me. Litvinenko. Okay, the fact that it was in London does make yeah, it a bit... I'm, uh, I'm not saying that sure, it, that's the case. Sure, sure. Well, obviously, uh, it's the and, foreign agents within and, foreign countries. And the other thing which I find most alarming about this, the general tone, the general narrative of ramping up, ramping up the narrative of we're going to have to have a full-blown war with Russia is that they don't seem to remember that Russia's got an, the biggest nuclear arsenal in the world. It, that does completely change mm. the, the dynamic. It's not like building a coalition against Saddam, building a coalition against Yemen. No, Russia could induce a nuclear winter if it, if, you know, it could nuke Paris or London or whatever, or Moscow. Well, or, with that, or you've got Washington. To, you've got to bank on the West's leaders not being completely insane and run by senile people, but that's kind of up in the air. To be, to be fair, I don't think they'll risk that. No, well, the houses the, get blown up. That's the thing. Would would either side risk nuclear war, or would it be ground skirmishes, or even drone warfare? I don't. I don't know because I'm not some guy who's really up to date on a. But someone like Blinken or or Biden or Rishi or whoever, they never address them. I've never seen them ever sort of address the 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 possibility of a nuclear exchange. I, I take comfort in the fact that the people who run countries are incredibly rich and like it being the rich people. So they're not going to actually do something as stupid as get their own house blown up. Like they'll blow. Hopefully, ho- ho- hopefully, the youth of their country they'll happily get killed, but their own houses. Yeah, but if That's they're the way it's always been. But if they're about to die, yeah, if right. if they're on their last legs anyway, they're 110 years old, and goddamn it, they just want to see Iran nuked <laughs> before they die. Like, okay. uh, like Lindsey Graham. Like Lindsey Graham is saying, we've just got to nuke Iran, guys. All the world's problems will be solved when we nuke Iran. Uh, are you insane enough to actually do that? Are you insane enough to do that? I think I should clarify because I, I got a bit heated there about the, the people being killed thing. Um, you're right. Like, if there's a, another country involved in the situation, it's obviously more complex. But well, I, I got a bit annoyed with just everyone talking about Navalny, and then you check up when have you ever tweeted about Navalny mm, on Twitter, mm, mm. and it was today and never before. It was like, <sighs> well, once again, to, to, yeah. to, okay, yeah. to clarify. I, I don't think, know who Nemsov is. Like, you're just not involved in this. I, I think the point that we're making is that none of the three of us are globalists. We're not dedicated to 
the crusade of spreading democracy across the world so that everybody can all be living in harmony, holding hands. Unless that's, it's against the bugs. <laughs> yeah, Freedom is the only way. That's nothing I'm interested in. If there are brutal dictatorships in North Korea, I mean, as long as they're not going to be nuking us, they can have their brutal di dictatorship. I don't need to have regime change. What, what do you want me to do? I don't trade with them. Exactly. I've got no interaction. I'm, I'm interested in the well-being of my own people in my own nation and the level of political freedom that we experience here. That's what I'm interested in. And once again, with the US, they also jail their political dissidents. We've spoken, Josh has spoken directly to people who've been imprisoned after January 6th. This was Jake Lang. It's a very interesting interview. So you should check it out. But I think to cap all of this off on the Tucker Carlson versus John Stewart, who's actually doing journalism mm. these days? This is a really interesting interview that Tucker Carlson had a few days ago. It was uh, about five days ago now, where he spoke to a man called Mike Benz, who I found out through researching for this, he was a member of Trump's State Department. And he was also uh, operating for a while as an anonymous YouTube account and poster called um, Frame Game Radio, where he spoke a lot about how the system works, how markets are manipulated, how foreign agencies and foreign countries have regime change and such um, done to them. And, in the, and he got doxxed, essentially. Uh, reporters looked into him and found that the uh, life story of this guy, Mike Benz, lined up pretty perfectly with the personal details that Frame Game Radio had given on his YouTube channel. And as such, he got doxxed. He came out and said, yes, I was this guy. But then he tried to put a little smoke screen in front of himself and said, well, I only did this, uh, this YouTube channel because I was trying to de-radicalize people. Oh, okay. Okay, Mike. But Tucker Carlson had him on. And as part of this, he gave a lot of really fascinating information about how the government controls information, uh, the, the US government in collusion with the European Union in Brussels and elsewhere. They collude with private companies, they use extortion tactics, they use the control of information through the flow of the internet to, to, as a tool of foreign regime change and also as a tool of preventing populist uprisings, particularly in Europe. And it's really, I would really recommend, I've got two clips for this. They're, quite long, so I hope we don't run over with this, but we, we can run over a little bit. Yeah, why not? Yeah, we, we can run over a little bit because they're really fascinating. They give a lot of information. And for the, in the course of a single hour here, Mike Benz is able to clearly and concisely explain a lot of how the system works. And we know that he was in Trump's State Department. He's got a lot of insider information. He has personally been in these departments that he's talking about. He's had personal contact with these people that he's talking about. So he's kind of spilling the beans here a lot. Uh, and if you've been paying attention over the past few years, some of the information will be very familiar to you. But having it all laid out over the course of a single hour is a remarkable achievement that Tucker Carlson has, has been able to put out to the world. So let's watch this clip, the first one I've got here. Sure. You know, one of the easiest ways to actually start the story is really with the story of internet freedom and it switched from internet freedom to internet censorship because free speech on the internet was an instrument of statecraft almost from the outset of the privatization of the internet in 1991. Uh, we quickly discovered through the uh, efforts of the Defense Department, the State Department and our intelligence services that people were using the internet to congregate on blogs and forums and free speech was championed more than anybody by the Pentagon, the State Department, and our 
sort of CIA cutout NGO blob architecture as a way to support dissident groups around the world in order to help them overthrow authoritarian governments as they were sort of billed. Essentially, the internet, internet free speech allowed kind of insta regime change operations uh, to be able to facilitate the foreign policy establishment's State Department agenda. Google is a great example of this. Google began as a DARPA grant uh, by Larry Page and Sergey Brin when they were Stanford PhDs. And they, they got their funding as part of a joint CIA-NSA program to chart how, quote, birds of a feather flock together online through search engine aggregation. And then one year later, they launched Google and then became a military contractor quickly. Thereafter, they got Google Maps by purchasing a CIA satellite software, essentially. Uh, and the ability to track, to use free speech on the Internet is a way to circumvent state control over media over in places like Central Asia or all around the world was seen as a way to be able to do what used to be done out of CIA station houses or out of embassies or consulates in a way that that was totally turbocharged. And all of the Internet free speech technology was initially created by our national security state. VPNs, virtual private networks to hide your, your IP address, Tor, the dark web to be able to buy and trail, uh, sell goods anonymously, end-to-end -end encrypted chats. All of these things were created initially as DARPA projects or as joint CIA-NSA projects to be able to help intelligence-backed groups to overthrow governments that were causing a problem uh, to the Clinton administration or the Bush administration or the Obama administration. And this... I mean, uh, what, what are you going to do? What, what, no, uh, what, no, no, no. What, what do we need to add uh, to all that? Yeah, uh, it's really interesting the the origins of Google. But um, I wrote an article quickly, super oh, yeah, quickly. Absolutely. I wrote an article a little while ago called um, I think I called it "In the Shadow of Mockingbird," where back in the fifties, he and references 60... Operation Mockingbird. Right. It goes back to the start of the CIA after it was changed from the OSS. The OSS, right? Yeah. So there's things like CBS News, for example, just entire was entirely just an intelligence. A front for intelligence. There's uh, also, things like the Washington Post, the New York Post, loads and loads and loads of even, the American media even is William just. F. Buckley with the National Review. There's rumors that the initial grant that he got to start that. Might oh yeah, have been from yeah the I CIA. think Buckley was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and so, just the internet is just uh, an extension of that. It's just the next generation of that. But it's, it's explaining why it is that for so long the internet was this Wild West zone of complete free speech. Because the powers that be wanted it that way. And now it's changing and it's flipping around. And This is the only other clip that I'm going to play, but I would really recommend anybody who wants to know more, because he actually goes into detail of the processes by how they achieve this. And this is really interesting. I haven't watched it. I will watch it later. It's a really fantastic watch. If you've got friends who might be interested in it, share it to them as well. But here's the next one, because he's now talking about uh, NATO-US collusion with the European Union to prevent, uh, initially try to prevent Brexit and then try to prevent right-wing populist uprisings in European countries to try and dissuade people and spread information and censor people who would want you to vote for those parties. And NATO at that point declared something that they first called the Gerasimov Doctrine, which is named after this Russian military uh, general uh, who they claimed made a speech that the fundamental nature of war has changed. You don't need to win military skirmishes to take over Central and Eastern Europe. 
all you need to do is control the media and the social media ecosystem because that's what controls elections. And if you simply get the right administration into power, they control the military. So it's infinitely cheaper than conducting a military war to simply conduct an organized political uh, influence operation over social media and legacy media. An industry had been created that spanned the Pentagon, the, the British Ministry of Defense, and Brussels into a organized political warfare outfit, essentially infrastructure that was created, initially stationed in Germany and in Central and Eastern Europe to create psychological buffer zones, basically to create the ability to, to have the military work with the social media companies to censor Russian propaganda or to censor domestic right-wing populist groups in Europe who were rising in political power at the time because of the migrant crisis. So you had the systematic targeting by our State Department, by our IC, by the Pentagon, of groups like Germany's AFD, the alternative for Deutschland there, and for groups in Estonia, Latvia, Lithuania. Now, when Brexit happened in 2016, it was, it, that, was, that was this crisis moment where suddenly they didn't have to worry just about Central and Eastern Europe anymore. It was coming westward, this idea of Russian control over hearts and minds. And so that, that was, Brexit was June 2016, the very next month at the, war, at the Warsaw Conference. NATO formally amended its charter to, to ex expressly commit to hybrid warfare as, their, as this new NATO capacity. So they went from, you know, basically 70 years of, of tanks to this explicit capacity building for, for censoring tweets if they were deemed to be Russian proxies. And again, it's not just Russian propaganda. This was, these were now Brexit groups or groups like Matteo Salvini in, in Italy uh, or in Greece or in Germany or in, in Spain with the Vox Party. And now at the time, NATO was publishing white papers saying that the biggest threat NATO faces is not actually a military invasion from Russia. It's losing domestic elections across Europe in, to all these right-wing populist groups who, because they were mostly working-class movements, were campaigning on cheap Russian energy at a time when the U.S. was pressuring this energy diversification policy. And so they made the argument, after Brexit, now the entire rules-based international order would collapse unless the military took control over media, because Brexit would give rise to Frexit in France with Marine Le Pen, to Spexit in Spain with the Vox Party, to Italexit in, in, in Italy, to Grexit in Germany, to Grexit in Greece. The EU would come apart, so NATO would be killed without a single bullet being, uh, being fired. And then not only that, now that NATO's gone, now there's no enforcement arm for the International Monetary Fund, the IMF, or the World Bank. So now the financial stakeholders who depend on the battering ram of the national security state would basically be helpless against governments around the world. So from their perspective, if the military did not begin to censor the Internet, every, all of the democratic institutions and infrastructure that gave rise to the modern world after World War II would collapse. So you can wait, imagine wait, the wait, reaction may I ask you to pause later, right, Donald right Trump there. won the 2016 election. So you, well, you just told a remarkable story that I've never heard anybody explain as lucidly and crisply as you just did. But did anyone at NATO or anyone at the State Department pause for a moment and say, wait a second, we've just identified our new enemy as democracy within our own countries. I think that's what you're saying. They, they feared that the people, the citizens of their own countries would get their way and they went to war against that. Yes. Now, there you go. Yes. It's just interesting. It's funny to me. Brilliant. The, um, Nigel, 
not only screwed over the European Parliament, but also the State Department, the Pentagon, the IMF. <laughs> <laughs> Basically, all without realizing all the most sinister powers in the whole world uh, are, are peed off at NIAG. That's great. <laughs> and uh, if, if you wonder why there seemed to be such a shift in discourse that went on around 2014, 2015, 2016, because everybody says that that's when the woke discussion ramped up, it might be something to do with the fact that this was the time when the state apparatus started to really go into overdrive to censor the other side. And all of a sudden, online discourse mm. changed because this kind of uh, the, the woke nonsense was able to have a much greater platform than it did before because the system was on its side, whereas, as we know, the system is not and has never been on our side. There is a question that you need to ask yourself, though, watching this, which is, okay, he's just laid out this entire story, which I think, I mean, is true. The evidence that I've seen pre, uh, prior to it all seems to paint it as true. But how does he get this? How does Tucker Carlson get this online without it immediately being taken down if there's this enormous censorship apparatus? And I think it might have something to do with the fact that Tucker is obviously backed by Elon Musk. Mm -hmm. So Elon Musk has Tucker's back. And Elon Musk, as we've discussed before, is deeply embedded with the US government anyway because all of his, um, his infrastructure with SpaceX and other companies that he owns the US government, because of the complete competency crisis it's going under in its own departments, is entirely reliant on Elon Musk's companies for any kind of innovation, for even remotely being able to look to space again. Mm. They are entirely reliant on, on, on Elon Musk. So Elon Musk is backing Tucker, has his own financial capital behind him, and also is, ha has a certain level of the US government re uh, reliant on him. So Elon, in supporting this, I think there might be other answers to it. You might, you might uh, be able to come up with other reasons for this. Elon might have Tucker's back on this and be saying to the sorts of departments that might be censoring him normally and say, you have to let at least some of this go out. That might have something to do with it, as far as I, as far as I can tell. Do you have anything? There's no way you'd be allowed to do something, as one example, like Starlink, without the American uh, defense... In, uh, monolith allowing you to do it so yeah yeah but yeah so um john stewart is still a shill for the <laughs> regime and tucker carlson is hosting mind-blowing interviews like this so who's really winning hmm. on that let's move on well uh, we've I not got much if, time so i was I'm really thinking sorry no, no, you don't have to do my segment at all. i could save it for another day it's not a problem at all no, I don't we, know can, we can overrun. run we're not filming anything after this and i need to punish jack anyway so okay <laughs> Fair enough. I'm sorry, mine ran over so. No, much. no, it's absolutely was, fine. I think there was a lot of information that was really. No, it's great. It was really, it was really good. My segment is just sort of an, an afterthought. Sorry, what was that? Um, Get on with it. Okay, all right. <laughs> well, I thought we'd talk a little bit about the death of kings because it's uh, our king Charles III has been diagnosed with cancer. I, th I think at first they said it was a pancreatic cancer but now it's i think they're saying that we, they're not going to say exactly what cancer it is but either way it seems pretty serious you know because there's some cancers that are much more serious than others right there's some types of cancer that if you catch it early your survival rate is very high and there's others where you know it's it's a death sentence really i'm not sure we know exactly what king charles iii is or isn't suffering from at this point but he made his first um, appearance, public appearance, just just the other day, uh, and I thought I'd use it as a jumping-off point just to talk about, um, well, a bit like Putin, Putin-esque, uh, 
go back a thousand years and talk about <laughs> talk about the, the interesting or notable deaths of kings over the last millennia. <laughs> so, so somebody's asked you, exactly. uh, how is it? What, what's going to happen now that King Charles has cancer? And you go, well, first we need to start a thousand years ago. Yeah, let's start in the eleventh century <laughs> if, if we can. Ten sixty six, William the Conqueror. <laughs> <laughs> so it's not really uh, exactly current affairs, <laughs> but um, yeah, just just the perhaps imminent death of, of Charles III, um, put it in some sort of context. Or just say before that, next we'll have William, Wills, Prince William, who will be, will be William the uh, Fifth. He should become King William the Fifth. And then after him, of course, he's got a fair few kids now, hasn't he? And the oldest one is a boy, a George. Mm. Um, so he'll, he'll become George the Seventh. Um, so yeah, going back um, a thousand years, uh, the conqueror, William the First, um, he had sort of a strange, strange-ish death. Um, he he had some sort of horse riding incident after ruling for twenty odd years and being one of the most brutal rulers we've ever had. He uh, his horse stumbled. He basically tried to genocide the North. Yeah, the harrying of the North. As a Northman yourself, a Mercian. Uh, okay, really, you consider yourself more Mercian than North- well, I'm from, Northumbrian. I, I'm from Cheshire, and actually, okay. when I did a DNA test, it was I'm not actually Northumbrian, really. Um, when I did a DNA test, my genetic markers were so specific that it could target uh, the East Midlands, Cheshire area, and also Lancashire, where my father's family is from. So I'm very Mercian. Yeah. So much more Mercian than Northumbrian or anything. Yes. Would, would you consider yourself Irish? Wessex or so? Or Irish, right? Yeah. You, you, I don't know what you think of yourself. <laughs> <laughs> it's, a no? le- it's a deep level of shame whenever we point this out. Oh, is it? Oh, I didn't realise that. Is that a joke that's got out of hand? Oh, is it? <laughs> oh, okay. I thought you actually had Irish gloves. No? Move on. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> this is new to me. I thought it was not okay. I will just move on then. Um, <laughs> William the Conqueror's horse stumbled, and the pommel at the front of his of his saddle rode up into his gut, his distended gut. He'd become fat. He'd become heavy, and uh, something ruptured inside, and uh, that was the end of him quite quickly. Oh well. Interesting note, he was so big that they tried to stuff him in a normal human-sized coffin, <laughs> physically sort of fold him into it, and during the, uh, during the funeral service, he popped, he split open, and he burst. Apparently the smell was so terrible that they just rushed through it and got him into the ground. So hopefully nothing like that will happen <laughs> during the funeral what? of what Charles, Charles III. I mean, we know he's got fat fingers, but I don't think they'll actually explode like sausages. <laughs> I hope not anyway. I mean... Well, they might have to prick him before they... Yeah. Oh, no. It's prick a good thing he's an It's not king. everything to do with monarchy is as glorious as I wish it was all the time. <laughs> I thought you can say something. I was just saying it's a good thing that he's an unpopular king. Otherwise, this would be considered, you know... Yeah. Yeah, I don't Seditious. mean to. Yeah, I don't mean to um, be all, all that rude. The, it's sad. Opinions... It's genuinely sad. I don't really like King Charles very much as a man in his politics. But of course, it's sad. Of course, I don't want him to have a terminal illness. So let's be clear about that. <laughs> need need I really say that? I hope I shouldn't e- even really need to say that. Moving um, on from Henry, William the Second, William Rufus, was just accidentally shot in the head in a hunting accident. As as you, as happens, what, twice in the back of the head. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> got double tapped in the back of the head by accident. No, with arrows. Uh, yeah. yep. with arrows. 
Oh, right. He wasn't a double tap. So similar to John F. Kennedy, I'm sure. Yeah. Accidentally yeah. shot in the head. Yeah, just purely by accident. One of his own guards accidentally, his, his, his bow and arrow went off by accident or something. Yeah, no. Um, we're not sure exactly whether that was truly an accident, but you can, I think you can put the word accident in inverted commas around that one. I genuinely thought you were going to go, well, we're not truly sure if it was Clinton or not, but you know. <laughs> <laughs> What did Clinton have to do with John F. Kennedy? <laughs> I know there's a lot of um, <clears throat> rumors about uh, the body count of the, the Clintons. Oh, They're going was, for a particular high school. She also shot William in the hunting accident. <laughs> Proven. I think uh, there's, there's some rumors that George Bush Do you know who Senior... forged that, that saddle that William the Conqueror <laughs> yeah. was on? Yeah, it who was made that? Clinton. <laughs> I think there's some, I'm not sure if it's true or not, but there's some conspiracy theorists that say George Bush Sr. was in Dallas in November of 63, when Kennedy was killed. Oh, really? Because, of course, George Bush Sr. was a CIA dude. Mm. He was a fighter pilot, and then he was in the CIA. But I think other people say, no, it was just someone who looked like George Bush Sr., and he wasn't actually there. That, that, that sounds, um, I mean, that sounds a bit weird. Yeah. I, bit. I, I know with the, with the Clintons, um, I found out recently at, the, uh, at Waco, um, three of the ATF guys, were, well, no, four of them, uh, uh, were former Clinton bodyguards who were some of the only ATF members to actually die there under suspicious circumstances. That's just an interesting tidbit. The number of people that had served as Clinton close bodyguards that then die, that then died in Afghanistan, Iraq, and in all sorts of places and contexts is it's an odd number, an oddly high number. That's all you can really say. <laughs> Moving on. Henry the first. <laughs> Henry the first died of uh, a quote a surfeit of lampreys. Do you know what lampreys are? Lamprey eels—they're like these worm eel type oh, creatures. Yeah. They're disgusting. Only a Frenchman would dream of eating lampreys, um, and he had a surfeit of them, i.e., just a big meal of too many, filled up on lampreys. He ate himself to death. Yeah, and it's like, well, that's what you get if if you eat too much, too many mollusks. It probably make you ill. Um, but I've always, if you've ever seen lampreys, it's like, you know, something like eels, jellied eels turn your stomach, then lampreys, just, anyway, that's an in a slightly interesting death, isn't it? It's comical. Yeah, 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 it's bordering on the comical. Um, Stephen, King Stephen, um, he of the anarchy, uh, some say he died of natural causes, but others say that the monks of Dover Castle had him poisoned. Oh, really? What so reason I, would the monks have? I don't know, to end the anarchy. Yeah, I suppose so. Clinton. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> those, those monks. Crooked Hillary strikes again. Those monks at Dover, you can never trust them. <laughs> um, uh, Henry II, is Henry Plantagenet, was supposed to have uh, died of a broken heart when he heard his son John had, was among the conspirators against him. I don't know how it's possible to die exactly of a broken heart, but in the medieval period or the ancient world, that was a thing that could happen to you. You're so disappointed and gutted that, that you died. It's not a polite way of saying you committed suicide. No, no, no. Oh, okay. He literally supposed to have just turned over in bed and just given up the ghost. I think that is a thing, though, to be, to be fair. Mm. Um, in very, very extreme cases, especially if you're already dying, that the psychology that you just give up and your body does give out on you. Was I mean, you've got known, to be close to the end already. Was so. he known to already be in a bad state? Yeah, oh, yeah, okay. Yeah, all, yeah. all right, sure, okay. Yeah. Yeah, he wasn't um, fighting fit. And then suddenly, so oh, and just die. Sat no. his throne, slumps over. Oh, dear, bye. Um, not, not like a Revenge of the Sith situation. No, no not quite. She's lost the will to live. 
If I if I died every time I lost the will to live, then you know, I wouldn't have made it to ten. It's a well known thing, though, isn't it? When perhaps when um, couples have been together for married for forty or fifty years, and one of them dies, the other one often isn't long for the world because they sort of they sort of give up. You know the cycle of that, that. I've seen it happen. Right? Yeah, that's, that's a fairly well sort of known or documented thing. Um, Richard I, the famous Lionheart, the Cœur de Lion, is one of the few kings to actually. Um, die from combat. He got a crossbow bolt in the neck, shoulder, or where his neck or shoulder joins. He was supposed to be one of the greatest warriors of, of all time, but ended up sort of ignominiously getting shot by nobody by a crossbow bolt. So and it went gangrenous. I, I suppose to, uh, if you're known as one of the greatest warriors of your time, to die in battle is better than to yeah. end up gorging yourself on eels till you just die randomly because you're too full. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> it is more glorious to die in fighting than just in in bed, right? Probably. We're all gonna die. I, I would have thought, right? Yeah. You just get to pick where and when. Right. Yeah. Do, do you do you want to what die of old age or do you want to die driving a Lamborghini at two hundred and fifty mm. miles an hour on fire over a loop de loop into the ocean and then you explode? <laughs> which not, which yeah. would you prefer? Not, not, not legal advice. Yeah, yeah. I'm not saying it was legal <laughs> advice. I'm saying if you if gun to your head, <laughs> if you had to. There's many cultures in the world that think it's really disrespectful if you die an old man, a grey beard, mm. if you die just of old age, you've sort of failed. You're supposed to die gloriously in some sort of blaze of glory. I'm pretty sure, like North, uh, like Viking culture mm. was quite mm. similar to that. Because mm. obviously, if you mm. died in battle, then you were going to Valhalla. Whereas if you lived to an old age and became the Greybeard, yeah, you'd have lots of wisdom, but also it's shameful of you. Yeah, in some way, it's a reflection that you're a coward that you didn't get yourself killed <laughs> violently at some point. Maybe you were a master <laughs> strategist and an excellent fighter, but no, this is how we yeah. work. <laughs> Let's crack through it. Yeah. Okay. Um, John, uh, Richard's brother, died of dysentery. More than one, Henry V died of dysentery. Very ignominious for a king to sort of crap yourself to death, isn't it? Um, Easy to happen back then, yeah, though. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, Edward II, probably the, the, the funniest, quote-unquote, or more, most horrific, most brutal, was um, <clears throat> had a white-hot poker up the back passage to boil his guts from the inside. Gaddafi'd. He got, yeah, he got, he got uh, the hot Gaddafi. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's probably the most... serve hog roast. <laughs> <laughs> that is probably the most horrific uh, um, death that an, an English monarch ever, mm. ever suffered. Um, Richard II uh, was out of favour and got deposed and he was sort of forced to starve to death. Being starved to death is a horrible way to die, really actually painful and, and horrible. And again, humiliating and long, yeah. Um, uh, oh, um, Henry the Sixth. Um, Henry the Sixth was murdered. Um, he was in the tower, the prisoner of, of Edward the Fourth. And at some point, someone came into his room and bashed his head in. On the orders of the king, or because uh, yeah, it was too loud? Almost certainly, yeah. Well, oh, yeah, it was. Yeah, it was just a terrible prisoner, and they'd had enough. Yeah, okay. they had had enough of his weakness and indecision and things. Um, also, Edward Edward V, um, the, the you know the two princes in the tower. Mm. I mean, one of them was a prince; the other one was the king. The oldest, the elder of those two boys, was Ed, King Edward V. And he, most people think they were smothered, or they were just at least murdered by somebody again in the tower. Um, 
Richard III died in battle. That's glorious, isn't it? The Battle of Bosworth Field. And it's going to be more glorious than what happens to poor old King Charles III, one way or another. There's um, still time, Charles. Lady Jane Grey, only queen for nine days. Many people say she was never actually a queen, but I count her. A lot of historians do count her. She got herself beheaded. Uh, Mary I, they thought she was pregnant, turned out just to be massive cancer. What? Yeah, uh, yeah. Oh, <laughs> what? Yeah, she had a big distended belly, and she thought she was pregnant, and then she wasn't. And it was you are pregnant. Congratulations with cancer. Yeah, Oof. yeah. It's a healthy tumor. <laughs> yeah, that's not nice. Horrible. Of course, Charles the first, Charles Stuart, got himself again beheaded by the parliamentarians by Oliver, Oliver yeah, Cromwell's. Big F being a traitor. Right. <laughs> yeah, for bringing an Irish army over to England. That's what you get. Um, Maybe you uh, should uh, be more grateful, Callum. Oof. No, I deserve death. <laughs> the last one I'll mention then, uh, William III, William of Orange. Again, a rioting accident. It's pretty ignominious, isn't it, that also? Apparently, maybe his horse stumbled over a molehill and he fell off the horse and injured. Again, he sort of maybe he broke He's making his... a bit of a mountain of it. <laughs> maybe fractured his collarbone or his arm or his shoulder or something. He just didn't get better and his health failed and he died. So anyway, as we're sort of out of time, I made that a very short segment, but hopefully it's food for thought for some people out there. If you are interested in history, go out and, and uh, look up some of these things. Um, so yeah, I'll leave yeah. it there. All right, let's go to the video comments. This is the Chinese symbol for person. It's interesting to me talking with Chinese people that they get so confused with third-person pronouns, often mixing he with she and him with her when referring to people even as familiar as their own wives or husbands. The reason is that there's no concept of dividing the third person by sex in Chinese. One simply states person and then relies on the context to make it clear which. Perhaps this will push the screeching madmen and women of the woke brigade further into the arms of the commies. Perhaps. Considering all that is some sort of uh, CCP psyop anyway, they're just unaffected by it all, aren't they? For the next one. So I've been seeing a lot of neocons talk about the cult of Trump, and there is like a basis for that, obviously, but the chuds can be very overly enthusiastic, I'll accept. But then they'll immediately go on about how, what would Reagan do, or what would MLK think? I mean, I remember there was like this campaign ad that Dan Crenshaw did, where he and his buddies go to like, a heavenly oval office where they meet the ghost of Reagan who gives them a bunch of weird platitudes about unity. And then they immediately go on the next day and say, we are above cults of personality in our party. Yeah, I'm not a big fan of Reagan. As you could see through his list of achievements that he had on the side there, it seems to be a, a period of wealth that Reagan resided over. Yeah, obviously opening up markets did help a lot of people to uh, become richer. Uh, but also he passed into law a lot of the cultural problems that still persist today. And he certainly didn't help pull back government spending. He certainly didn't help to pull back um, affirmative action programs, which have led one way or another to where we are today. Obviously, he helped to fight the Cold War, though. So Two super quick things Reagan did that was cool. He's really against sort of the Berkeley ultra lefties. He really hated them. That was cool. Also, one time, I think the American... Um, uh, the air traffic controllers all tried to go on strike all at once. And he was like, okay, you're all fired. I'm just going to replace all of you then. You don't strike. Uh, but anyway, yeah. So. That's kind of cool. Mm. Yeah, cool. Hello there, little guy. What you doing, fella? Aw. Did you want to come out and play? Crush it. Yeah. 
Good job. <laughs> nice. Yeah, I'm one of those people that, yeah, bugs get uh, death on sight. I'm one of those people. Next one. Hey, guys. On the discussion of writing novels, this one took me about two and a half years to write. It took me before that about 10 years worth of world building before I even came up with the idea for the story. And it took about four years before I got it to the point I was happy to publish it. And that's while doing a PhD. And speaking of the AI tools... I can finally make the movies I've always wanted to make. I'm going to make some great culture for you guys. I promise you. All right, nice enough. Right, look at that. Let's do it. Yeah. Let's go to the next one. Oh, don't mind me. I've just been trying to ask the same bloody question for about seven hours straight, trying to ask about this thing. Which, yes, I am going to be going and recording and putting on my YouTube channel. You'll probably get like little clips next week because. At least that time I can actually get it to 30 seconds instead of going over. I know you don't want the entirety of Shrek to be posted. Main point, are you actually going? Is anyone else going? If so, say hi. That's the Reform UK Spring Conference in Doncaster. I'm supposed to, uh, you know, I'm obliged to go, but I can't. I'm not. Oh. But, uh, so you won't see me there, I'm afraid. I, I won't be able to make it. I didn't know it existed. I will check my diary. This one. Saturday, I believe. Oh. I, I have what are you my, doing on Saturday? I, am, uh, I can't tell you. Um, <laughs> so, no. Uh, but people in the comments, if you are, let them know. Uh, do meet up and um, film Shrek. The next one. Hello. Regarding Monday's segment discussing Starship Troopers, a subject that is near and dear to my heart, though I can't say I'm surprised the left would side with a fat, amorphous, immobile mass of cholesterol and communism over other humans. They probably see this on screen and think, that's totally me. I'm being represented. Mm. Mm. Yeah, maybe. Certainly it's the weird, white it? people person. What's next... all that stuff in the background, just real quick? They variants on knuckle dust. I see one set of brass knucks behind him. What are the, all these things? Uh, send us a video comment explaining for both. Mm. I'd, I'm interested. Next video, please. I've recently come across another really bizarre Kickstarter product. The Bedroom Battle card game. <laughs> the YouTube video is still available in case you're curious, but it's kind of a... The best way I can think of describing it, it's kind of a, a top trumps, but with sexual activities involved. Dare I Google? Well, it's probably better than the wank wipes he was recommending. The other day, so. <laughs> No, they go together. Let's go to the next video comment. <laughs> All right, we're looking at data. But there's no prisoners. Okay. North FC Zoomer is showing us prisoner data by uh, religion. Oh, yeah. And um, guess, guess. It's the Muslims who are represented by a margin of more than two to one. There we are. The Christians actually underrepresented. Yeah. The Sikhs, I think. No, it's not the Sikhs. The Hindus. Yeah, they're the best. 2% of the population, 0% of the prisoners. Amazing. Well, atheists aren't, don't do that well. Yeah. Uh, no, atheists are underrepresented as well because look, no religion, thirty-seven percent share of the general population, thirty-one percent of the prison population, so underrepresented. Let's go to the next one. 
Hey, Lotus Eaters. I just got this funny flyer in the mail, and I thought that I could use it to show how bad things are in Canada these days. We are now getting fixed-rate pizzas, where you make an account at this pizza restaurant, and they guarantee that you're not going to have the price increase on this pizza for a year, as if it's a stinking mortgage or something. Outrageous, I tell you. So is this like Weimar hyperinflation or something? You order the pizza, by the time it arrives, it's gone up double in price. This way, they can start using the pizza as a proper currency. Because <laughs> this is <stable. laughs> Let's the next one. cost four slices. All right. Oh, shoot. That's some good shit. Nice. It's not what I was expecting. Yeah. <laughs> That's going to kill a bear, right? I don't know what else you'd use it for. It won't tickle it. <laughs> Once at FPS Russia, we had this, this extended, it was like a Glock 18 or a Glock 19, the fully automatic version of a Glock, and with this massive sort of double drum barrel thing on it. So it's just doing that, but could just hold it down for like 30 seconds or 40 seconds or something, ages, and that was cool. And you had tracers, and you had two of them. You know what happened to him in the end? His partner got murdered, right? Uh, he got sent to prison for having uh, an amount of weed in his mm. house. He's out now, though, right? Yeah, but because it's a felony amount, because he had enough weed that they claimed he was going to deal it, right. which he wasn't, he was just smoking it. Uh, they came and raided his house and took all of the guns, even in his basement where all the guns are. But of course, it's FPS Russia. So the dude had like pistols in his cutlery drawer, and there's rifles <laughs> under the bed. So he came out after the initial arrest, after they took all the guns, and then had to call the police and be like, you left some of the guns. <laughs> like, there's all these other guns you didn't even take. But... You know, he had a business partner who got murdered yeah. in oh, suspicious circumstances. I don't think FPS Russia had anything to do with it, but who knows? I, I don't know. I don't know all the details, but it was, it was weird anyway. Let's go to the next one. I've noticed that the work of Casper David Friedrich has been used in some of the premium content on Lotus Eaters, and that's great because that means that some or all of you are fans of romanticism. Well, may I introduce an English romantic painter, John Atkinson Grimshaw. Often overlooked, he died poor, he lived poor, and that's always a good sign, but not for the reasons you think. And when it came to his nocturnes, even Whistler said that Grimmy had him beat. That's lovely. Hmm. Well, really nice painting. Recommendations of painting, there we are. Let's go to the next one. My mind's telling me no. <laughs> oh, just that. But my body is telling me yeah. <laughs> All right, we've got two rumble soup chats to go through right there. Thanks, Herman. <laughs> let, let us again know in the uh, poll whether how long you think it'll last between them. Yep. Uh, uh, so threading off for 20 bucks says, Callum, please convince other Lotus Eaters to watch an episode of Ghost in the Shell, standalone complex with your week. I, I assume what? one per week. An anime? I'd, what the hell are you talking about, man? Is. I'm not convincing people to watch I'd, something. <laughs> I prefer Sarg since it's Japanese cartoon and cyberpunk dystopia. Uh, wait, so you're, are you watching this already, Callum, or is this a recommendation? I think he's got me confused with someone. I don't watch this. Yeah, but I, I mean, I've been tempted to watch Ghost in the Shell before. I've never got round to it, though. Anyone and the other, one, the other one is Win Hillseeker saying the Ghost in the Shell movie is about Neural Link and Ghost in the Shell Laughing Man saga is about COVID. So, all right, I'll check that out. 
All right. Maybe, probably take me a year or yeah, two. To punish Jack some more, I'll read a few comments and then I'll end it. So. <laughs> uh, Derek Power says, it's tragically hilarious that for all the reeing about the gender is a spectrum that the crowd is incredibly binary about white and non-whites. That points on Crossfire. Arizona Desert Rat says, so it's acceptable for Bernie Sanders to praise Russia's subway stations, but Tucker Carlson isn't allowed. Makes sense. Fair point. Well, he praised it when it was the Soviet Union and far more moral. And, uh, <laughs> the Lord... most moral regime. <laughs> and uh, Furious Stan says, can't wait for Rishi Sunak to be appointed as King of England. Presumably so you can run an episode on his... No, well, no so it'll, <laughs> ma- it'll finally match the Gemini AI. Right, that's us. Um, Enough punishing, Jack. Um, Goodbye. Bye. Bye-bye.